One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone. Wherever you are in the world, happy holidays from me and everyone at the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education. We are taking some much-needed rest the last couple of weeks of 2022, but we have a ton of great new content in store for 2023. Stay tuned to your podcast feed, and if you aren't already, make sure you are signed up for the MCIE email list. Who is ready to move the inclusion needle for 2023? My name is Tim Villegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, a show where, with every conversation, we try to build bridges between families educators, and disability rights advocates to create a shared understanding of inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. You can learn more about who we are and what we do at mcie.org. For this episode, I speak with Jay Ruderman, the president of the Ruderman Family Foundation, which focuses on inclusion, diversity, and social justice. He is the host of All About Change, a podcast focused on activism, change, and courage. Jay is a social justice activist who has spent his life promoting the inclusion of people with disabilities and through his foundation has been an integral part of holding the entertainment industry accountable for its lack of authentic representation of people with disabilities. Just a quick content warning, Jay and I discuss some sensitive topics such as suicide, school shootings, and gun violence. Our conversation was recorded in May of 2022. Thank you so much for listening. And now, my interview with Jay Ruderman. Welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast, Jay. Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure to be your guest. So, Jay, would you take some time and introduce yourself to our audience of inclusionists? So, I am a social justice activist based in Boston. I run the Ruderman Family Foundation 
which is a foundation that historically is focused on disability rights. We came into the issue of inclusion sort of as an issue of fairness. Our first um, major uh, grant was to improve the day schools in Boston, which were not inclusive and were excluding um, children with disabilities and to make them an inclusive system. And that, that, was, that was over a decade in the making. Um, but since then, we expanded to work in partnership with the Israeli government um, and change policy regarding people with disabilities in Israel and make it more person-centered and to move away from the segregationist model of group homes and segregated schools and sheltered workshops to um, position people with disabilities as full-fledged members of society. And I think from there, we really got very heavily into the um, advocacy aspect and speaking out against injustices uh, against people with disabilities, whether they were by uh, corporations or governments or um, celebrities speaking poorly, the entertainment industry, which we've done a tremendous amount of work in, in sort of changing the dynamic in the, in the entertainment industry. And so we really sort of became an advocacy organization. Now we're also, I, I, I represent a foundation, which is a mm. philanthropic organization and uh, is a grant-making organization. However, a lot of those grants are made uh, in conjunction with um, us bringing the idea to an organization that we think is influential and uh, shaping their policy to be more inclusive and more person-centered. Gotcha. So with the grants that, that you provide, you're really looking for organizations that you can help direct policy. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're looking for influential organizations that may not have gotten this issue completely correct. And mm -hmm. then to try to work with them uh, to make their policies more um, just and equitable. Okay. And I guess the best example is, is, is the entertainment industry. With the entertainment industry, since it's such a large industry, we had to first come at it by being super critical and criticizing films and casting um, people without disabilities inauthentically in roles of disabilities um, and, and really being like the fly in the ointment and, and really being you know super critical to get the attention of the industry. And then we shifted uh, to do a couple things. One, to work with the studios. And I have to really thank some people that I worked with, like Danny Woodburn, who's an actor, Marley Matlin, uh, an actress, but also uh, Peter Bobby Farley, who are directors and very connected for years in the industry, uh, to open up some doors. Because for a while, we were banging on doors where we weren't getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, when we got to the executive level, we said, listen, you know, the entertainment industry is changing. And they realized that inauthentic representation is a problem. It's a problem with um, African-Americans, it's a problem with Asian-Americans, it's a problem with uh, Native Americans, you know, and many, many different uh, groups that, you know, historically were not represented correctly and were not represented enough. And with the disability community, it was sort of the last community to the table. 
And we really had to sort of make the case because it, it, traditionally the with what the entertainment industry was coming back to us with was, hey, isn't acting all about playing people that aren't like you? And and you you should know that in the last thirty years, half the men that have won the best actor Oscar have won it for playing a disability. So what we what we did is we had a pledge and we got four major studios to pledge to open all of their additions to people with disabilities. And then and then we started to highlight those productions, whether they be TV or film, that did authentically cast people with disabilities. And and we started to see a change. And then we're seeing more and more films, more and more TV shows with people with disabilities authentically represented. And I should say, in, in, in the interim, we did many, many white papers showing the injustice within the industry and also the economic value that people really wanted to pay to see authentic representation. Mm. Um, and then finally, I would say we, we started to give out what we would call the seal of approval. So recognizing um, these these films and TV shows for doing you know a good job. And, and I, think, I think it impacted, I mean, at least if you look at the last um, Oscars, uh, where Coda won uh, for Best mm-hmm. Picture and 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 Tony won for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, I think that the message got through. The message got through to the thousand plus members of the Academy that were voting, and they understood that disability was an issue that that deserved to be paid attention to. When you were developing your strategy for how you were going to, you know, advocate for change. Was this based on any sort of like implementation science or kind of systems change thought, or was it more like you were just you were just doing what you thought was what would make the biggest impact? Well, to be completely honest, I think it started not with a strategy. It started with like, hey, this is an injustice, and someone should speak out against it. Now we we have many allies, and we had we, advisory groups made up people with disabilities. And, you know, I, I've totally accepted and, and, and try to live by the model of nothing about us without us. So, you know, I never want to speak, even though we're, we're a philanthropic organization, you know, and I'm an activist who doesn't necessarily identify as a person with disability, but I'm not doing this in a vacuum. And then it developed into, well, wait a second, you know, if we keep on being super critical, you know, becoming the fly in the ointment, we're not going to get anywhere. So then we had to start to talk the language of the industry, which was showing them data, uh, data that could actually help them and make money and, and, you know, sort of transitioned from being the critic to being like, hey, we're going to start to praise you. And and this is going to benefit you as an organization. And also, I think that, you know, the culture in America has changed. I mean, if you look at film and TV, it's changed. I mean, you see much more authentic representation. It was not like that when I grew up. And in fact, we did a PSA several years ago with Octavia Spencer, and she said, the first time she saw someone like herself on TV was a show called The Jeffersons, which you may or may not remember, but 
I think all of us at some point see ourselves authentically portrayed, and, and I think that's very powerful. And I, th- I also think we're, we're living in an age where authenticity matters. So we sort of caught everything correct, um, mm. but but you know there were many groups ahead of us that 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 really were making the inroads. And and I do remember an article coming out in the L.A. Times uh, that was written by a reporter where here's the top 100 people who can change the diversity conversation in Hollywood. And it included people from every different um, ethnic minority background, except for people with disabilities. And so we wrote it to, 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 to him and his response was like, oops, I think <laughs> I left, I think I left that category out. And then Danny Woodburn and I wrote an op-ed in the LA times saying, you know, basically like, Hey, you guys are overlooking people with disabilities. Um, so, mm. you know, I, I think there has been a change. Is it perfect? Is everything going to be smooth sailing here on out? No, it won't be. And, and it's a slow moving industry. TV moves faster than, than, than film. Um, but there are more advocates and there are more people in positions of power that care about it. I mean, people like Scott Silveri, you know, people like Glenn Mazzara. John Krasinski. There, there are so many people who are making movies who said, you know something, I really want to have the position of the young deaf girl played by a young deaf girl and not someone who's acting like they're deaf. Um, so, you know, these things are happening. And, but there, we need more leadership. But I think that, you know, once culture starts to change, it, it, it moves forward. Our audience is is mostly educators and mostly educators who are interested in authentic, inclusive education. So not just a student with a disability in a classroom that isn't participating in uh, what the rest of the class is or, you know, in an island in the back, but is actually that has membership and belonging and community within, um, within that. Do you think that the education or the k-12 or even you know k through college community can learn anything about how the entertainment industry has changed their mindset well i think change happens slowly but i think that there's a way um to affect change and and i don't think you need to run a foundation in order to do this i think you could be anyone um Essentially, when you see injustice, when you see the system acting uh, inappropriately, speak out and get others to speak out with you and, and speak out forcefully. And you know, in our case, which I, I think is not a bad idea, use the media uh, because people you know, find that the media puts pressure on them. And, and even the biggest corporation, the biggest studio pays attention to the media. So if you're talking about a, you know, like a school system or a city or a town or whatever, believe me, uh, people see their names in the newspaper and there's an issue, uh, they take exception and and they start looking at the issue a little bit more uh, carefully. So I would say, you know, speak out, organize, get other people to speak out. And then I think change, you know, will come. I think the legal resource is the last resource. That's when people are sort of just you know, extremely adamant, like we're not changing anything. I don't think it needs to get to that point. 
but then it's at some point you have to tr- you have to switch from like okay you're doing the wrong thing and we've shown you how you're doing the wrong thing to let us help you let's work together to improve um the situation and i think most people are receptive to doing it they they, they want to be on the right side of history and and i think sometimes it takes a concerted strategy to get there so let's talk about your podcast. So on your last podcast, the most recent one, there was a, just a passing comment about how things might be changing. So I'm wondering, is that something that you can let us in on? Oh, you mean like like the, like the what the podcast is going to become? So mm-hmm. I, the podcast developed from a disability-oriented podcast to an activism podcast. So we are changing the name of the podcast to All About Change. And what we're really trying to do is to better reflect that, you know, what we're trying to champion, which is people that have turned adversity into opportunity and are working uh, to make the world better. And it was an evolution for me to start talking about issues that I really didn't know a lot. I know a lot about the issue of disability. I mean, you know, I've really been engrossed in that uh, professionally for 20 years. Some of the issues I talk about, I don't know a lot about, but um, you know, change is important. We always have to change as individuals. We have to change as, as a society. Um, and that's really what the podcast is going to be about now, change. It was something that you were already highlighting, right? So, so the, the new podcast name seems like it's a even a better fit. Yeah, I hope it works. I hope I hope it's uh, you know the podcast industry is a big industry. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of you know saturation. Um, I think it's great. I think that you know people learn so much from podcasts. Um, by the way, I think they also learn from entertainment, uh, which is why we really focus for many many years on the entertainment industry because whether you're watching a documentary or a TV show or a movie, um, you're taking away a lot from consuming that content and it's shaping, you know, who you are. I mean, I've been doing a lot of thought over the last few days about these mass shootings in America because it's just awful. It's beyond awful. It's horrific. And and a country as advanced as the United States, the fact that we cannot come up to with a solution to this issue is just it's embarrassing it's it's heartrending um but you know i've been doing a lot of thought about it and 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 um you know how how do we get there i i think that we have to really tell stories about people that have gone through this and and what it's doing and how it's destroyed their lives and I I don't know what the solution is, um, but I, but I think that's the I that that's what a podcast should do. You should listen to a podcast, walk away from it, and say, "I learned something. What can I do based on what I learned?" Yeah, I you know storytelling is something that has been on my mind lately, um, and. I guess you could say Think Inclusive is going through a bit of a transformation as well, because, um, you know, when I first started 
it was, you know, I called people on Skype, <laughs> you know, and, and recorded a phone conversation and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and, and now, especially now that I've had time to develop, you know, what we're trying to do, uh, what you're saying with me about like how people change or how people, um, change their mindset, it, it keeps coming back to stories. So I think about the, the podcasts that have affected me the most. And sure, a conversation that's interesting is great, but I'm thinking about more narrative uh, storytelling types of podcasts that have really put something on my heart to either learn more about the one thing or to change my behavior, right? And I think that, that that's the kind of storytelling that I want to, to be a part of. Um, and it sounds like that's what you want to do as well. Yeah, I mean, I think storytelling is key. You know, if you can, if you can have a story that grips people. I mean, I used to be all about like, oh, I'll contact everyone I know who's famous, and I'll, I'll, you know, put them on the podcast. And yes, people do want to hear from celebrities, but sometimes the most interesting podcasts are people that you just don't know, but have gone through something, you know, so traumatic like Kevin Hines and jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and surviving, which is a miracle. Um, but he, he keeps telling the stories like, listen, if anyone, as I was taking the bus to the Golden Gate Bridge or walking on the Golden, if anyone had stopped me, I mean, he's like, I was, I was, I was distraught. If anyone had stopped me and said, hey, man, are you okay? Can I, can I do something for you? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Do you want to talk about it? He's like, I completely would have changed my direction and not and not jumped off the bridge. And um that's really, really powerful. And 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 I think that that storytelling is so important because that, that's how we learn. We learn from stories. I mean, why do we read books? Why do we listen to podcasts? Why do we watch, you know, movies or or TV? Yes, we want to be entertained, but we also want to take something away from it. And the best books that we read and the best podcasts and so forth. We're listening to it. We're like, wow, I learned something and I have to, I have to do something about it. And, and, and by the way, there are podcasts that I do where I don't, I mean, I do a lot of research, but I don't really know what to expect. So, you know, I have a podcast that's going to come out in a couple of weeks where I interview Maria Garcia, who's a, an investigative journalist and, um, she did a podcast called Something for, you know, Everything for Selena. Um, and Selena was like the number one Latina performer before she was assassinated. But the impact Selena, decades after she's been gone, the impact she's had on so many people. And, uh, you know, that's just profound. And, th and that's a story that yeah, it's been out there and everything, but to hear someone talk about it in such a passionate way and what Selena did for her community and for so many people is so powerful. And, and I think that sometimes I walk away and, you know, and, and, and I, I listen to the podcast and it's like after the podcast, I'm still learning. I'm still investigating. I'm still listening to the music. I'm still, you know, they really impact me personally.
And I think that that's what, you know, why do we do this? Why are we involved in activism? Why do we, you know, because we care deeply. We want to make the world a better place. And and so we do these episodes and what we're trying to take away from it is like, gee, how can I, what can I do? In whatever my position, what can I do to try to make our world a little bit better? And our world needs a lot of working on. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's what's the story that you want to tell? So I think that people, we go through an evolutionary process and we always try to, you know, grow and become better and do more interesting things. Um, I'm always looking to connect with people who are doing interesting things, but you know, more than that, people I can trust mm. and people that I, that I know that I can work with. I think the podcast is, is one thing that, that I do because I think that, you know, I work with some people that I'm, I'm getting really interesting stories that are really about, you know, aspects of society that we're all struggling with and, and thinking about. Um, I've written a book. It's not done yet. Um, we're still putting the, 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 the you know, finishing touches on it and it'd probably take a while to get out there, but it's my story of growing up and activism and how I became an activist and how I did my activism and what success I had as an activist. And I want to get that out there because I don't think activism is talked enough about. We talk about celebrities, we talk about, you know, politicians and 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 actors and and people of extreme wealth. Um but we don't really celebrate the activist. And 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 yet when we look back, the activists are really the people that are changing our culture. So, you know, that's one thing. And the other thing that I've come to through my association with Hollywood is how impactful entertainment can be in shaping opinions. So that's the, that's sort of like the new road that I'm going down. You know, supporting uh, documentaries supporting, you know, film that can really 
change hearts and minds and get people to think a little bit differently. So, you know, I'm excited about the future and excited about different ways um, that, you know, we can move forward. And as I said, you know, you're always looking for your next challenge. But as you're looking for your next challenge, the, the you know, at my age, the number one piece of advice that I would give out is work with people that you trust and that you like. It's the most important thing. You know, life is short and you come across a lot of people, but you know, there are really good people out there and you have to connect with them and, and, and people that it just doesn't click with, you got to move on. You talked about the school shootings, um, you know, and so in preparation for our conversation, I, you know, I listened to your latest podcast and I just can't believe how timely it was, you know? Yeah. It was actually a podcast that we had recorded and released a while ago. Mm -hmm. And um, as a result of what happened in, in Buffalo at the top supermarket, we re-released it. I had no idea. I mean, ironically, you know, now we had the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Um, but it was just such a powerful one that we decided we needed to put it out there again. Um, I, I think, you know, listen, I'm a parent. I have four children. They're all in school. And it used to be like, oh, yeah, school's the safe place, you know, that you send your kids to to learn and to become better people and to move on in life. And now every time we send our kids out the door, it's like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next. I, I think this is something uh, tragic that is happening in our country. And we're unwilling to address it. Um, I mean, I, I never get very political. I put issues out there that could touch on politics because I never advocate. I mean, it's as a foundation, we don't advocate for pieces of legislation. We're forbidden from doing so, but certainly to talk about issues. But there's, an, there's a lack of will in this country to address something. I mean, someone sent me something on social media that in Scotland in the early 2000s, they had a mass shooting and they changed their gun laws and they haven't had one since then. Um, and, you know, I, I am, I'm not a hunter, I'm not a gun owner, but, you know, I believe in the right to own weapons. I think that that's, you know, uh, part of the American culture. I don't understand um, the easy access that 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 people have to buy weapons of mass destruction I, I it just doesn't make any sense to me and i don't think it makes sense to the world and and you know at some point we need some profiles and courage and for people to say listen okay guns are part of the american culture and hunting and shooting and and you know all of that is is part of you know who we are as an american people um, but this is crazy. This can't go on. You know, a, a country that sort of can say, well, this is horrible that we lost ch our, our own children, but we're going to get beyond this and nothing's going to change. This country that is uh, ill and, and, and needs to be, and I, and I understand we live in a polarized country, um, but we have to do something. I mean, to go on like this is just not, it's just not right. We can't. We cannot be a society that could turn our heads when dozens of children are killed. 
it's just not right. Well, I, I think in the interview you did with Nicole, uh, she talked about access. And so it's not just a, you know, a mental health issue. Like, of course, there's, there's always things that we can do better. But simply having access to weapons, it's just, it's too easy. Right. It's too easy. So you mentioned Kevin Hines. I was reading Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. I think that he has a chapter in there about access for people who attempt or who die by suicide. And the numbers of if you just restrict access to certain kinds of activities, the suicide rate drops. And so right. it's just, it. I mean, it just seems so simple, but yet we still um, aren't making any movement towards that. Right. Well, sometimes things happen. Like, for example, the Golden Gate Bridge is, is a mecca for people that, you know, attempt suicide. So, you know, the, Kevin, one of the things that he wanted to do was to set up some nets, mm -hmm. you know, um, right below the bridge and, and that would have um, been a fail safe. And, 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 and I believe that he was finally successful in, in doing that with others. So, you know, we have to take certain precautions to make ourselves safer. Um, and we do. And, and every time we do something, you know, there's, there's pushback. I mean, I remember um, when I grew up, which was a long time ago, you know, no one wore seatbelts. You know, there, there may have been seatbelts in the car, but it's like no one wore seatbelts. And now, you know, everyone wears a seatbelt or almost everyone. And it saves a lot of lives. And, you know, um, we've made a lot of progress. And as a former pro prosecutor, you know, drunk driving has made a lot of progress. Um, you know, the laws have toughened up and the penalties have toughened up. And, and there are things that we can do. Um, in terms of, you know, these, these massive, you know, shootings, um, it is not a cut and dry issue. I think the access to weapons is something that we have to address. Is there political willpower to address it? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be. But also, you know, there are issues of mental health and mental health, um, the access to mental health um, services is lacking in this country, especially what we've gone through with COVID and, and, and you know, so many different things that we're going through with inflation and war and, and you know, Mental health is 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 as important as physical health, and we just don't recognize it that way. I mean, we're coming through uh, a period of time where there's, there was tremendous stigma around the issue of mental health, and I think now you know people like Kevin Love and and you know others who are celebrities and they speak out about their own mental health. Um, you know, Selena Gomez and 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 um, Simone Biles and Nomi Osaka and 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 so many others. I think that helps, but we also need services. You know, we have so many different laws. I was just thinking today, you know, the only thing in this country that you seem not to have need to have a license is to be a parent. Anyone can get pregnant, have a child, and there's no license, there's no there's no manual. And people are struggling. And 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 you know, uh, too often as a society and I've lived in other societies and other countries where there's more interaction between neighbors. There's more interac interaction 
uh, between, you know, people on the street. And sometimes we tend to turn the other way and we don't want to deal with the, with the problems of someone, especially if they look like they're really distraught. Um, we got to do better. We're all in this together. And, and, and I think, you know, turning away and locking ourselves in our homes and, and arming ourselves. And I just don't see that as a solution to a healthy society. Absolutely. Is there any final thoughts that you wanted to leave our audience with as far as, you know, inclusion, mental health, disability? I think all the issues that you mentioned, fighting for inclusion, fighting for disability rights, fighting for equality, all of them are super, super complex issues. Um, they're requiring people to engage in, in change, asking people to change. Um, change is really hard for people. Um, and you may not see success, you know, right away. You may see failure along the way. The, the biggest thing is not to get discouraged and, and to keep doing what you believe in. And even if you fail and fail and fail, you know, ultimately, if you work hard enough and if you connect with other people and not do it in a silo um, and are open to allies, that's the other thing that I would, I would really stress, which is very important, is allyship. You know, you may be from a certain community, but you need allies and allies are important. And I think we have to be more open. I think we're, 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 we're in a more polarized society where people don't want to seek allyship, but allyship works. And I think that the more that we seek that out, we will have successes. I think most people, and I think most people involved in advocacy and, and, and pushing for inclusion, I think they're good people. And, and I believe most people out there are good people. And if enough good people connect, I think change does happen. Jay Ruderman, thank you so much for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. And, and thank you for all of the work you've done with your foundation. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been a pleasure. Think Inclusive is written, edited, and sound designed by Tim Viegas and is a production of MCIE. Original music by Miles Kredich. If you enjoyed today's episode, here are some ways that you can help our podcast grow. Share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And if you haven't already, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Special thanks to our patrons, Melissa H., Sonia A., Pamela P., Mark C., Kathy B., Kathleen T., Jarrett T., Gabby M., Aaron P., and Paula W. for their support of Think Inclusive. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how MCIE can partner with you in your school or district, visit mcie.org. We will be back in a couple of weeks. See you next year. Thanks for your time and attention. And remember, inclusion always works.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.